hit the red button. Saints FC podcast episode 66 um, but episode one of us actually trying to do this live and um, presuming your telephone's still working Tom Parker are you there? I am indeed here John how are you? Uh, I'm very well Tom I'm so relieved it's only seven minutes past nine um, which means that we managed to get over pretty much all of our technical hitches uh, in the space of about four or five minutes. Not, not, not too bad. So we're, we're going. Very impressive. You're on the line. Hopefully people can hear you okay. I'm just going to turn you up a little bit. Um, I, I suppose the first thing I need to do is actually say thanks to the EdTech podcast for loading us this console, which means that I can have you on here as a telephone, have me on here as a microphone listen to you on the phone and have it linked into my computer and try and broadcast this on youtube i've had to do a lot of technical learning today but it's, it's looking like it's kind of working it's very impressive john i don't know how you do these things yeah well yeah there we go right oh my god we've got nine people watching our youtube channel so hello to our nine listeners who are tuning in live um a few more thank yous to make say so, uh, you may remember at the end of last season uh, I asked people to support us with a few funds and we had um, 12 listeners who helped us out and they are James Ketchell, Andy Kingston, Thomas Ketchell, Thomas Walton, James Wills, David Reichlet, David Mackney, also known as Muckers on Twitter, Jim Greer and Mike Binks and a chap called Anonymous also donated four times as well. So that that was, you know, really, really generous. And we managed to raise some funds. We're still here. We're still going. That's helped cover some of our costs. So that's really good news. We're very grateful. Thank you to everyone. Yeah. And the Ketchell brothers. Is that Ketchell brothers? Yeah, I wonder if they are Ketchell brothers. Yeah. I, th I think Generous family. Be, you know, yeah, we, we kind of create a family vibe, Tom. You know, we've had my father-in-law on before. We've had my brother. Um, if people... <laughs> People have been watching uh, your exploits on Japanese TV. They'd have seen your dad as well. They would have seen my dad, indeed. Yeah. It's a family affair. It is a family affair. Um, so, Tom, how's, how's your summer been? Because, you know, in the summer, you know, there's not that much football going. I mean, there was the Ladies' World Cup, which I, I very, very much enjoyed. But, but what did you do to keep yourself busy over the summer? Um, well, there's... Uh exciting post on you. So I've got the first signing of uh, Parker SC due at the end of uh, December, a little girl, uh, which is very, very exciting. So that's, that's kind of been the most exciting, uh, you know, probably the most exciting thing that's ever happened to me. I mean, shortly after getting married. So very exciting, that job. Mate, that, that, is, uh, that is some serious big news. Um, you know, I do feel a little bit sorry for a girl that's going to be called Matthew Letizia Parker, but... Um, <laughs> You know, Matthew Ricky was my choice for a boy. Matthew um, Ricky, yeah. Um, uh, so there we yeah. go. Well, congratulations to you, Tom. Um, Thanks, mate. Thank you. 
you know, I, I went in for the cycling. I haven't made any babies uh, successfully this summer. So, um, you know, y- you're winning on that one. Um, th- there has been some other news as well. Uh, since we last spoke, Boris Johnson has become prime minister. I think maybe even more worrying, Rupert Lowe has become an MEP. I mean, that guy oh shouldn't God be or anything, should he? Um, in the world of science, uh, there have been plants germinated on the moon. Did you know that? And we've got tiny pigs on the moon now. Yeah, yeah, those, those little things as well. Um, <laughs> a white rhino has been born from artificial insemination, giving us a chance to bring the species back from the brink of extinction. That's incredible. Yeah. And a second patient has been cured of HIV, showing that, you know, medical breakthrough that they might be able to, to wipe that out. So There's lots of, lots of terrible news out there, but then, you, you know, if you dig for the nuggets of gold, they are there, John. Yeah, th- I mean, that's basically what I was looking for. After the Rupert Lowe becoming a Brexit party MEP and thinking of that man representing anyone in, in you know, internationally as well. I mean, the, the shame that he must be doing <laughs> us abroad is just... So I had to look for the positive stuff. Um and then in terms of the summer, I mean, the Saints social has been pretty interesting. I mean, there's Charlie Austin deleting and reopening his Twitter account, um, which I thought was quite funny. Um, my my highlight, though, of Southampton social media is probably the tonic-like lemonade video. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. With Mario Lemina. And then it, oh, it had some footage, didn't it, of uh, Nathan Redmond in it as well, which I just... Yeah, and also someone pointed out as well, and I'm sure we'll come to the arena, but it's actually speeded up. Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. It's not even him, and it's speeding up. It's embarrassing. It's crazy, crazy, isn't it? Um, and although I think probably my favourite thing that I potted, spotted on the Saints FC uh, timer was Che Adams looking forward to challenging for the Premier League title this season. Yeah, I, I, it's nothing. Nothing's impossible. We, you know, we're we're joint top at the moment. <laughs> yeah, alphabetically, we're not performing so well, though. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, it's just day again. And then I, I suppose, let's face it, the the news that people want to know about, um, or the the thing that people get excited about in the summer, is the transfer business. And I'm going to go through the ins and the outs. Danny Ings from Liverpool, 26 years old, £20 million. Had him on loan for a year, so that, that's kind of not that surprising. Che Adams, aforementioned, £15 million from Birmingham City, 22 years old. Looks a pretty hot prospect, and we'll come back to him in a minute. And then we have Musa Gineppo, I think that's how you pronounce it, £14 million from, it, yeah. from Standard Liège. Uh, he's 20 years old, um, and then apparently there's been... Uh, a form submitted to get uh, Kevin Danso over the line and into the Saints squad. So I'm not sure what's going on there. But uh, I mean, where are we now? We are 21-13. They're still not announced Danso. Yeah. We're I mean, waiting on that. I, I wonder, though, there has been like quite a lot of uh, transfers today. So, you know, maybe we're at the back of the queue. Or maybe the fax machine at the FA or the Premier League is, you know, really churning out, and we're right at the right at the <laughs> end of the queue. So who, who knows about that? But hopefully he'll be coming in because um, he's a central defender, which is the, I suppose, the one position that we're all expecting and hoping um, to to get in. Um, so then, outs. 
Matt Target to Aston Villa for fourteen million pounds. Bit of business that. Yeah. Sam Gallagher to Blackburn for five million quid. Ian, an even better bit of business. <laughs> Jordi Classy from to AZ Altmar. I, I don't know. Was there a fee involved with that one, or was that just a free transfer at the end of the contract? I, I think it's a free transfer, isn't it? Just for getting off the books. Mm. Probably on a few quid as well. So probably quite happy to get rid of him. And then we've also had Stephen Davis uh, heading to Rangers, but he was on loan there already. Charlie Austin's gone today. West Bromwich Albion for four million quid. Just can I just that is an incredible bit of business, isn't it? If you'd have said three years on, you'll get your exact money back for Charlie Austin, um, you'd never have thought that, would you? Yeah, I mean it's a bit weird, isn't it? I mean, do, do you think that's due to inflation, or do you think it's just that you know he's still worth a bit, isn't he? But he's also a bit of a risk. Well, at that level. Yeah, he is a threat, isn't he? He's yeah. just not a Premier League player, but he, at that level, he's just probably as good as anyone. Yeah, I think so. I, I think he'll probably be banging, into, he'll be banging double figures next season as long as he doesn't yeah. get injured. If he gets you out of that league, he's, he's been worth 10 times that. Yeah. Um, and then Harrison Reed's gone on loan to Fulham. Disappointing. And then we have Josh Sims. This is the sad one, isn't it, Tom? This is the heartbreaker. Yeah, on loan to Red Bull, New York. But that's only until the end of December, isn't it, I think? Is it only until the end? So it's the end of their season, is it? Yeah, so I think it's only until the new year. So do you think this is a Ralph Hassan Hootal, you're not quite good enough yet, mate, but go and have some practice, go and get some regular game time, show us what you can do in the States, and then come back and, and that's going to be your chance? You'd have to think so, but it is strange because he did seem to have a kind of transformative effect, didn't he? Because they like, towards sort of the, the tail end of last season, and Ralph put a lot of faith in him. Uh, so it's unusual that he then goes out on loan. Yeah, but, I, um, yeah. I, personally, I think it's strange because when he's come on, he's is you know he's looked exciting, hasn't he? You know, it's, it's looked like you know stuff's going to happen. Um, and the the image I've got up on our YouTube channel at the moment, you can see Josh Sims running behind a very focused James Ward Prowse, you know, which he, he was there in games when um, yeah, you know, when we were when we've done all right. So yeah, it's a strange one. I mean, he, you know, Ralph thought very highly about how he quickly uses the ball and how uh, aggressively he his passing is. You know, he doesn't look to go sideways. He's always looking to to do something. Um, and yeah, so it's just a little bit surprising to see him go. Yeah. Um, yeah. But obviously, you know, and also we don't, we're not blessed with loads of midfielders, I don't think. No, I I wonder though if look, if he's looking at Mr. Gineppe or Gineppe, yeah, Mr. Gineppe and just thinking, well, actually, that's the Josh Sims role. Yeah. Whatever role Josh Sims was going to play, you know, that kind of explosive sort of midfielder who's just a little bit random. Or, or I, mean, I mean, Callum Slatter is another one, obviously, that yeah, has had some game time yeah. in pre-season. And Ralph played a bit last season. Maybe, maybe he fancies Callum Slatter to sort of take up that role. Yeah. I mean, uh, w what I find quite interesting about Josh Sims is he didn't do particularly well at Reading, did he? Yet, every time he's been thrown on in the Premier League, he causes havoc. Yeah, I don't get it. It's just one of those, one of those players that you wonder if you think. I mean, Saints have got this kind of respect match before this sort of, this layer of players which are slowly turning from 18 year olds to 24 year olds. Um, 
you know, Gallagher was a great example of that, you know, and, and like Hesketh is another. Players which were, uh, you know, highly, highly regarded, but then you know, Hesketh doesn't seem to be, you know, in Ralph's plans at all. And and everyone thought he was going to be the next big thing a few years ago, but he's still at the club, and he still kind of you know, goes on loan, does really well, can't get anyone in the first team. This happens though with young players, doesn't it? I mean, do you remember Freddie Adu, um, who everyone was raving about? Yeah, the world, bit, the world's best young player. Yeah. Oh, what was that like? Norwegian guy who went to Barcelona when he was like fifteen years old or something, and everyone yeah, thought he was going to be next Messi. Um, yeah, and there's the guy that's uh, there's one of those at Real Madrid, isn't it, at the moment? He's Norwegian, I think, as well. Yeah, yeah there's a few of them, but but it just seems weird because they they still a lot of them are still on Saints books, but. Having said that, you know, if we can get five million pounds for Gallagher, which is a tremendous bit of business, um, yeah, maybe they're worth keeping on for a season or two. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I suppose, did we expect a little bit more from the transfer window? Um, I mean, I think certainly we expected to bring in a centre back, which maybe we have, maybe we haven't done. But I think the biggest thing is I was probably expecting the likes of Carrillo, Buffal, Wesley Hoot. Jack Stevens, one of Forster and McCarthy, all going out. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, if you look, we've got three goalkeepers, all of which could arguably start. Um, we've got this huge squad of, of players, and Ralph has been very open, isn't he? He said, I want 22 players. You know, I don't want more than that. Um I was just going to say, not Forest have like a thirteen squad of thirty-one, thirty-two players. The managers just said it too many, so maybe there is a slight trend to go towards smaller squads. But you're right. I mean, maybe Booth. I mean, it seems like Booth are being rehabilitated, doesn't it? Yeah. So back into the first team. But other players like Carrillo, um, you know, Hoyt is still a bit touch and go. Although you know we're so poorly, poorly staffed at centre back, he probably will get games. But you know, what's going to happen to these players? And I, I think that the interesting thing is that it doesn't seem to be um, transfer fees that's the problem. It's obviously cash flow for Saints because the wages we must be giving out on, you know, a career. I mean, a career and Foster alone, I bet you that's costing the club the best part of £130,000 a week. Yeah. Just those two players, £600,000 a month. I, it's, I mean, it's crazy when you... I think if you add all of those as well, but if if you put in like the likes of Wesley Hoot as well, um, he must have been on fairly good money. You've also got Mario Lamina, who's not particularly fancied, um, who again I think will will be on big money. You know, he came from Juventus to Southampton, so we haven't done all the business that that we'd expect. But um, I suppose the good news is that in the rest of Europe, uh, the transfer window is still open, but. You don't really get silly money anywhere outside of the Premier League, really, unless you're going to one of the massive clubs. So it seems unlikely that we're going to get any real big bucks for any of those players. But you know, at least just getting them off the books might be quite quite a good thing to do. But then I suppose you look at Sam Gallagher and see you've got five million quid for him. You know, why not hold on to one of these players for a little bit longer and see if you can get ten million quid or whatever it is. I think one of the most interesting things is the Lamina situation because, you know, clubs obviously do a huge amount of research on players and they before signing them. This idea that like, they see, a, you know, a few clips on YouTube and go, yeah, we'll sign that bloke is obviously nonsense. You know, you hear stories about private detectives looking at you know, who are they who are they sleeping with, how many girlfriends have they got, how much are they gambling, you know, what are they spending their money on. 
um, who are their associates. You know, clubs do like a huge amount of research into these assets that they acquire. And, and Ma- Marcelo Bielsa does that awfully, it's just on his own. <laughs> but like, you know, obviously, you know, Levine is an interesting point because he clearly got talent. But, you know, he got booted out of Juve. He ended up at Saints. No one else seems to want to touch him. You know, you've got a lot of players. That you've got lot, in terms of Premier League, he's not going to be a hugely expensive player. He could definitely do a job. But there's a reason why you know Arsenal aren't aren't going for him. There's a reason why even like Wolves or Everton aren't going for him. More like West Ham. It must be something about how he conducts himself that you know that because it's not his talent. It's, it must be something about what you know. What do they know about these? You know, why does Ralph not want him around the first team squad? Yeah. Um, yeah, it must be something about this that uh, there's, there's more than meets the eye. I mean, this, this is probably going to sound quite harsh, but I just think he might be a little bit dim. Do you know what I, I mean? I, I think, yeah, I totally agree with that. I think a lot of them are. I mean, if you look at the decisions they make, um, the decisions they make are not, you know, of sound mind. I think, like, you look at an older player like Charlie Austin, um, you know, wearing that Liverpool shirt. Now, a lot of Saints fans got really riled about that. And I I don't get particularly bothered about that. But for me, what it shows is, is just a lack of judgment. You know, it shows a lack of, you know, it just shows a lack of kind of thinking things through. Because yeah. what does he hope he's going to gain by putting himself wearing a, a Liverpool shirt on Twitter? Like, how does he think that's going to go down? knowing the animosity that exists between the two sets of fans, or certainly the Saints fans towards Liverpool. Um, yeah, and also a Van Dyke shirt, of all shirts. So it does seem to be a really, I don't know if they're poorly advised or if they even listen to advice or they even get advice in the first place, but they just seem to kind of, they're not really thinking. And um, what's interesting, I think, with Ralph is like, he seems to like prefer like a, almost like the quieter players. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, just quietly get the job done. You know, like, you know, Nathan Redmond, James Ward-Prowse, do the job, go home. Yeah. So, I mean, what what do we think about, do we think Che Adams or, or Musa Gineppe or, I mean, what, what do we think of our new guys? Are they going to fit into Ralph's plans? Are they going to be in the team straight away? I don't think Gineppe will be because the step up, I imagine, from the Belgian league to... You know, for a twenty-year-old from the Belgian league to the Premier League, is going to be a bit of a, a bit of a kind of stretch. But you know, I've only seen the preseason friendlies. But Shea looks like a hell of a player, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, also like you, you've basically got to have a five run in scoring in the first five minutes of this Premier League season, haven't you? He loves an early goal, and uh, you know, I can see it. First Premier League goal of the season is going to be Shea Adams. I wonder. I wonder what the odds you can get on that are, Tom. I mean, I he, I just like I am. He everything you read about him is done. It's, you know, did a really good interview at the Guardian. Um, there's a good piece in the the Athletic. Um, you know, focusing on his background and how you know he always quit football at 14. He went down to the sort of lowest echelons of the game and has worked his way back up. And maybe, um, you know, maybe that's what Ralph likes is that he's a sort of someone who is who has almost lost their place in, in, in the game they love, but has now fought back and, you know, therefore maybe won't take it for granted like some other players that we have just spoken about. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, I mean, how, how, how do you rate Southampton's transfer window so far then? It's a solid 
seven out of ten. Solid seven. I mean, I don't. I, I can't even pretend to know anything. Like, I can't even pretend I've ever heard of Kevin Santo. Yeah. Um. But you know, like he, like a lot of very good Saints players. Um, none of us have ever heard of them. I think there's, <laughs> a, I think there's a merit in that. Um, I just think you know we were a commanding centre back away from having a great window. But if you look, I mean, what does the commanding centre back cost now? It costs, you know, Harry Maguire. He's a good player, eighty million quid. I mean, Dylan, I mean, what, I mean, what are your thoughts? Who do you think we should have signed? I mean, I, I I wonder if some of this comes from the fact that we had, uh, you know, Toby Alderweireld and Virgil Van Dijk, you know, one after the other, um, partnering with Jose Fonte, who is in the the form of his life, and I I think in a way we've been quite spoiled in terms of centre backs. I think you can make an, a case to say that Toby Alderweireld and Virgil Van Dijk are the best two centre backs in the Premier League. Um. So I wonder if just everyone feels like a a bit of a downgrade after those two. Well, I think everyone's going to feel like a downgrade after turning up Van Dyke. Yeah. Now the Van Dyke turning into the sort of yeah you know, Lionel Messi of defending, um, and I, I do believe he you know, is, is probably the best player we'll see in the post with this year everywhere else, I'm too sure. Um, but. You know, I, I think there aren't many good centre backs about, and that's why they come at a premium. And I think, you know, we've had a sort of, we've had a sort of nightmare combination of dodgy centre backs and keepers that seem to be terrified of crosses, um, which is the worst kind of combination. But you know, let's hope Bednarek kicks on because he had a great sort of time under Ralph. You know, Vestergaard, you'd hope, you know, should be that commanding presence in the area. Everything you read about him from Germany and. You know what he showed glimpses of last season, so it, it, we're not. I'm not that doom and gloom about signing a centre back because I still think that with a high pressing game that we play and with three centre backs, we still just about be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I mean, I, I think this is the, th- this is the thing that's kind of the big question mark, isn't it? Is that are we going to be good enough at the back to play the four-two-two? to formation that Ralph likes and played lots in Germany because I, d- I don't know I just don't think we we can trust two of them together and it's weird isn't it because you think Bednarek and Vestergaard together would be good enough yeah I, I, I mean I wonder, they're individually I they're great yeah I wonder if there's something there where they where they need that foil that kind of like calm head because I think they both actually look better when Yoshida's in there with them. Mm. It's almost like they just need to have a little earpiece um, in their ears, and then you could have Yoshida on the bench just like chatting to them, making them feel reassured, and then perhaps we could go go to the four two 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 formation. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, I think, I think as well, like, it's not helped by that. You know, like, if you look, we had three, three first team, got, you know, three goalkeepers play last season. Um, yeah, and it, you know, it seems to be that now we've alighted on Gunn as our number one, but even, you know, McCarthy, who is our number one, got an England squad, got an England team. Yeah. He's now looking like he'll start at number three. So, you know, there's a, you, you hear a lot about the merit of consistency. Um, and I think someone pointed out on Twitter that we had 15 different centre-back combinations last year. Okay. Um, 
which is kind of nuts, isn't it, really? So he just needs to find a formula that works and fix it, or that's easier said than done. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. Let's get back onto this. Pre-season, Tom, and that's next. What have you met? Did you watch any of the pre-season on the streams or any of that? Or did you just kind of... I, what did it? I watch? I watched... Um, it was the first game we played. God, I'm take on by that. That was the against little game against the surprisingly good Altach. Yeah, the, the surprisingly good, I think, took everyone by surprise how good they were Austrian team. Um, and I think one of the interesting things, I think it was a week before the Austrian season started, so obviously they were a lot sharper and a lot fitter than Saints were. Um, I mean, it's difficult because, you know, if, if pre-season goes badly, everyone reads loads into it and says, well, you know, we're going to start awfully. If pre-season goes well, then people sort of think, well, some people think we're going to do great. Other people say, well, season, pre-season doesn't matter. You can just completely ignore it. But they do seem to, well, do you remember in the old days when you used to go and play like Kingstonian and you'd been like 17-0 in pre-season? Yeah. And, and now it's just sort of, they do play, what I like is that they, I mean, apart from the game we played in China, they who appear to be playing as well as amateurs. Um, the, the quality of the teams we play is so much better. And I think we, so it's, it's decent. We've had really strong run-outs um, this season. So, I mean, so I've seen bits and pieces. I mean, I've been mostly impressed with Shay Adams, just in terms of this unrelenting um, chasing down. You can see why Ralph wanted him. And, and the sort of, you know, he sort of combines the best of sort of Charlie Austin, like that that spin and, and, and shot for his first goal against Alsac is sort of the best of Charlie Austin with almost like the best of Shane Long. Um, so you can totally see why why Saints wanted him, and he's sort of been the real revelation for me. Yeah, I I, I think he's he's the one that we're probably all most excited about. Um, I I suppose one of the things I was really interested in seeing in pre-season was actually understanding if um, we were going to be playing the you know the the formation of the four two two two, and from what I've seen. Um, I don't know if we necessarily are. I think some of the games we gave it a try, and some kind of like less so. But I mean, what are you anticipating? Because uh, I, I think kind of like first game of the season, we're probably going to be starting with three at the back in the middle. Yeah, it would it would appear to be that way. And if you think, I mean, it's a bit like Mark Hughes, isn't it? First game of the season. Last season, Burnley away. That was it, or Burnley at home. We have Burnley at home. Too. Burnley at home, you know, we started off with 4 4 2, and he changed that, you know, within about half an hour, didn't he? I think. Yeah. Um, um, so I think he would love to be able to play this 4 2 2 2. But as you said, you know, have we got the personnel to do it? And you know, I think as well, like, if you look at that, that is going to be. The four two to almost as important as the centre backs is going to be the two defensive midfield players in front of them, and I think you know no one would doubt the quality of, of Pierre, uh, but then at the same time, Oriel does have a mistake in him. You know he has several mistakes in him, and I think he also has these sort of you know he collects yellow cards like they're going out of fashion. He just gives away fouls, which put the defence in the more pressure. So I don't know. I just I, I think that he'll start with a five three two and then. You know, I think it's going to be about confidence isn't it, for the centre backs. Do they really feel they can play just the two of them exactly like you said? Or do they need Yoshi just there, sort of saying, you know, be calm, everything's going to be all right? I think I think it's probably the latter. Yeah. I mean, what would you like to see him do against Burnley? 
Um, I, I mean, the, the, there's a big part of me that just worries about us having two centre-backs. Um, but I almost kind of think we should give it a bit of a go, at least at the start of the season, probably against Burnley. I mean, I, I don't know. I think Burnley are not going to be a team that's going to attack us loads and loads and loads. But then, you know, they're going to be quite effective from set pieces. So it's it's a, diffi- it's a difficult one. You've got a, it's a tough call to make on terms of the balance, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it's... it's um, I think Burnley... Well, Burnley are an interesting one, aren't they? Because I was... I think that's earlier today. But, you know, Burnley aren't that good. You know, then. Uh, but then, if you think about, it, they've got like some real good scheming players, like Jack Cork, um, you know, Chris Wood up front. Um, you know, they've got like really, they have got players that hurt us. Ashley Barnes, you know, like players that have consistently done Saints in over the years. And I think the Burnley game is a great example of like you think you look at it initially and you go, yeah, you know, great starting your season away at Burnley. It's a really good one. But then you look at it, you think, actually, you know what? That's really hard. You know, Burnley aren't any mugs and got a very shrewd manager. I actually think it's a really good first game for Saints. Just, I think it will quickly uh, bring players into a kind of mindset of, you know, they can't rest at all because Burnley aren't the sort of team that allow you to rest for even a few minutes. Whereas I think if we had a Sheffield United at home or even like an Arsenal at home, you know, something like that, I think the Saints, fans might, the Saints players might be tempted to sort of be a bit cooler about it. Whereas I think with Burnley, they'll give us a kick up the arse. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, so we've, I, I, I guess we're kind of like we've almost jumped a bit ahead to the Burnley preview, but we might as well do this. So last season, and they've got one more point than us. They finished in fifteenth. We finished in sixteenth. We scored the same amount of goals um, as them, but they actually conceded more than us. Um, what do you think was wrong with Burnley yesterday? Do you think a little bit of the shine has come off Sean Dyche? Was it just the fact that they are in the Europa League? Um, what kind of went wrong with them? I think they had that classic Thursday, Sunday did thing, didn't they? I mean, they had yeah. a small squad at the best of times. Um, yeah, a small squad, play Thursday, Sunday. Also, you know, you're you're one of the unfashionable teams and I put Saints in that category probably as well. You know, you, so you get nothing from refs as well. Um, now, I think there's a few young blokes that came through towards the end of the season who are winger. Um, that's excellent. I can't remember his name. Um, but, Burnley. you know, yeah, Burnley, he, you know, they, they've got, a, you know, I don't know, they're a funny team, aren't they? They, You know, with Tarkowski and players, they've got players who can either seem to play really, really well or not so well at all. Um, I don't know, I think it probably is a Thursday-Sunday thing. You know, small squad, try and do that week in, week out. It's going to really hurt you. And I think, you know, if you don't get off to a good start in the league, they didn't get off to a good start, then it's really hard to get a good, um, really hard to, to pull it back. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I remember kind of this time last season thinking, well, against Burnley, it's going to be quite tough because they're already up and running in the Europa League, therefore the team's going to be a little bit sharper. And I thought they were a little bit sharper than us, and it was, I think it was still nil nil, wasn't it? First game of the season? Yeah, it was, it was. First game was nil nil. Yeah. So the player I was thinking of was that Dwight McNeil. Yeah, Dwight McNeil, yeah. He's really, he's really one good. That Juventus were rumoured to be going. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I, I don't but think yeah, that's happened. Yeah, they have got, you know, that do, you know, look at this, like Ashley, like Ashley Barnes, you know, sort of the bloke who seems, you know, if you had a fire on Ashley Barnes or something, you're probably going to, you're probably going to make that back. So he always scores against Saints. 
Yeah. Well, so there we go. We've got two tips for the first game of the season. Ashley Barnes is going <laughs> to score and Shea Adams is going to score in the first five minutes. If one all. But John, by the time it would you take one all, John? I probably would. Um, do we have... Uh, okay, here, here's another little prediction that I want you to make. When do you think we'll feature on Match of the Day? Oh, I mean, I'd have to look at the fixtures, but off the top of my head, Burnley Saints is, you know, if there's some sort of waiting given to those two teams, you can't imagine that we're going to be troubling the top half of the programme, can you? <laughs> I mean, and that is, you know, that is like a classic. If you had to write the schedule before you, before you see the games, you think that St. Burnley is going to be in the lower end, let's just say. But, you know, you never, you never know. I, th- I think we're all going to be having quite a late night on Saturday, aren't we? <laughs> Oh, well, yeah. I hope we have so many goals that yeah. we'll um, we'll just be in it. But I think I think it's a good test for Saints, and I think Ralph will actually maybe be a bit glad that um, that, that we've got that one because I think it will it will help sort of get the players back up quickly into the sort of the Premier League. You know, so this is the, this is the sort of standard we need to be at. You know, don't take teams any teams lightly, even even I say even sort of mocking way but like Burnley yeah yeah uh, and the thing is it doesn't really get any easier for for Saints so you need to take that one seriously you want to get some points on the board straight away because next up is Liverpool and even though that's yeah. at home can we really expect Saints to get anything from that game no I mean if you look I mean you you have to I mean well, Liverpool Man United I think on now two first of two home games first home game so yeah. you know we, we can't take anything for granted I mean you, you, you would actually probably fancy if they start half well this season then we get my United at home um, on a Saturday afternoon but you know they're probably not going to get anything out of Liverpool and if you think about it like it's, and it sounds you know you don't want to bring in the alarm bells but you know they go away to Burnley they lose 1-0 they lose at home to Liverpool all of a sudden you know third game Brighton away you know that's all, you know, it's ridiculous to even start talking about this, but then you're looking at like, God, we have to be Brighton. Do you know what I mean? And it, it, that's how quickly the pressure goes on in the season. Yeah, well, I, I, well, that's the thing, isn't it? The Premier League just cranks the pressure up. And in our first 13 games, we've got, uh, we're playing all 10 of the top 10 from last season. Mm. Yeah, that, that is, that's quite a challenge, isn't it? I mean, should, should it I is, but I mean, under Ralph, we are better against, you know, like, I mean, we went through that miserable period, didn't we, until we beat Arsenal of almost losing every single game, I think, apart from one against the, the top six. Yeah. Um, And, you know, apart from your Liverpools and Man Cities, you probably, you know, you're fancy Saints now against a lot of these guys. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually quite looking forward to us playing against Frank Lampard's Chelsea. Um. You know you contractually obliged to, to call them that naturally. Yeah, you know that. Yeah. Um, and who else? I, uh, I think we might do quite well against Manchester United as well. Second home game of the season. That's. I mean, I normally go to the first home game of the season, but I can't stand the thought of um, watching Liverpool win at St Mary's, and I've also organised a barbecue. So, you know, that's that's just going to have to wait. So first home game for the season for me is going to be the one against Man United. And I, I think we might win, Tom. It would be nice. I mean, I think we owe them a win after what happened to us last time, didn't we? 
Yeah. You know, we were, we were, we were doing so well. So what's that? Is that on the 14th, John? Uh, the one against Man United? Yeah. No, th- 31st of August. Tom, have you gone mad? I might try and join you for that. Oh, yeah. I've already bought my tickets. They're expensive. Have you seen oh, what God. Southampton have done to the top range tickets? It's like 50 quid now, isn't it? Yeah, 50 quid if you want to go behind the goals. It's 65 pounds if you want to go on one of the sides, if you're going in the Kingsland or the Exxon. And that is the first two, the two first home games of the season, Manchester United and Liverpool, are both in this like super gold, whatever. We know that loads of away yeah, fans will be in the yeah. home fans and we'll sell out the seats so we can charge whatever we want to, ticket price range. It's a sad thing, isn't it? I mean, and you know, it's going to price normal people out going to games. Yeah, um, yeah. Unfortunately, I kind of, I, I'd already forgotten about when I checked to see the price of the Liverpool tickets and uh, went arranged lots of people to come, and then, then I was kind of already committed at that point. So that was you know two hundred quid. Oof. Yeah. You know. Difficult, yeah. I mean, you're getting into the, like there for you know, for for a few tickets. You're getting into the kind of Glastonbury Festival range of pricing there. You get five days for that. I mean, yeah, sixty-five quid plus for me. You know, twenty-five quid train up from London, beers, you know, some food. Jesus, that's an expensive day out. Yeah, it is. Anyway, hopefully it's going to be a good one. Hopefully they're going to be worth all fifty of my English pounds. Um, I'm sure they will. Yeah. Which are unfortunately rapidly decreasing in value at the moment. Maybe that's why they've done it, Tom. <laughs> it's in, it's in preparation. Just in, when Southampton get asked about what their preparations are for No Deal Brexit, they may say, "Have you not seen our ticket prices?" We've got hyperinflation ticket prices yeah. in preparation. Hyperinflation. Um, so, one of the very important things that we must do when it comes to the first. Uh, first kind of show of the season i suppose is to go through our predictions so i'm now going to push you on some predictions for the 2019 to 20 premier league season um very exciting. and i'm going to read out some of the questions that we asked last time and one of the first questions we asked was will james will prowse have a breakout season <laughs> uh I think the answer was definitely yes, wasn't it? Well, I think last season was probably his his breakout season. Do you want to know yeah. what James reckons is going to happen? Go on. He reckons he's going to become a 15-goal player. And what he means by that is 15 in total, goals and assists. So you're talking like seven assists, eight goals. Do you think he's capable of that? Well, where did he end up last year? So it ended up with, what, seven goals? I think it was like six or seven goals. Maybe eight. No assists. Is that right? No assists. I mean, the no assist thing, we spoke about this last year. It's so weird, isn't it? Like, if you stop saying man on the street and how many assists, yeah, you pick, you get two or three. But then he doesn't get assists. I'll send the back, don't score any goals anymore. So it is all a bit linked, isn't it? It's almost like a, you know, we need, I don't know. I Look, I love, yeah, I I was very wrong about Warbrows. I'm very happy to admit I was very, very wrong. Will he have another stonking season? I hope he will. Um, because if you think about it, like he 
he has everything now, doesn't he? Now he's now he's put that aggression into his game that was was so lacking. Um, and with a manager that really believes in him, you know, there's no reason why he can't kick on. And you know, in this and in the formation we play, he's got a place. And he does a good link up with Valerie. Um, and also, I think with Valerie, he's a stronger defender than uh, than Suarez ever was. So I think it means that Ward Prowse's defensive liabilities aren't as um, evident, you know, because you've got a stronger guy alongside him. So there's no reason why he can't kick on and have another breakout breakout season. So, so is this the, the? So you're saying yes, it's going to be a breakout breakout season. You're agreeing with James. I'm agreeing with James. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose if you look at the numbers, right? Twenty-one um, appearances, starting five from substitute, and seven goals in the league. So yeah. you know, if you double that, get a few more assists thrown in, then then you're away. You've got your 15-goal 15, 15 season in terms of goals and assists. I mean, that's a big shout. Yeah, and if you think about it, like with, um, you think like with Redmond playing the way he plays, with Gineppo, uh, even like with Shad, and, you know, they're going to draw a fair number of fouls around the box. Um, and, you know, that's going to give JWP whip those balls in and, and take you know take free kicks and he's going to have every confidence you know like he had towards the end of if there is a in and around that box he think he's going to hit the target yeah. and it's very exciting we probably don't have you know apart from Ricky you know Ricky was the last player we had that you really felt like that about yeah yeah I mean I'm not sure Che Adams is quite Ricky Lambert but you know who knows if it, I mean if he becomes as much of a legend as Ricky Lambert that would be amazing I mean, just imagine if his prediction that we're going to win the league and you know, looking forward to challenging for the title is right. <laughs> um, if, you, if that happens, then, then God help us all. But yeah, no, I, I, yeah, fair play, James Paul He's really kicked on. Yeah. Uh, and um, there's no reason why he can't continue to do so. I'm going to say he's going to have a really good season. I don't know if he'll be involved as, as many as 15 goals. I might say 10. That's, that's going to be my prediction. So next question, will Ralph get Saints playing progressive football? He already has. Yeah. I mean, this, this one's... Yeah, he really has. This is one that we had from Mark Hughes at the last start yeah. of the season. And we all said yes to Mark Hughes and we were all totally wrong. Do you think it's going to be full-on, high-pressing, high-tempo all the time? Or do you think he's more pragmatic than that? Are we going to see a variety of styles? I mean, he's shown a bit of pragmatism with the three at the back you know, instead of the two at the back for his four-two-two-two formation? Um, I think he'll continue to press because I think it, it works for us, doesn't it? If you think, and with Shay Adams, you know, now we have a player that can really lead from the front with the press alongside Redmond. Um, I think he'll continue with it because also, you know, we need to do everything we can to stop that ball entering our box and to stop people taking shots against us. Because yeah. uh, we can't we can't defend, and the and the only way we're going to stop, you know, we we can get away with our lack of defensive ability is to stop the ball uh, coming anywhere near our penalty box. And the only way we're going to be able to really do that is if we press, press, press. So I think he will look to mix it up. Whether he'll ever get to this stable four two two two, I'm not sure. But I, I think we definitely haven't seen him the pressing. And also, fans like the. Press. Yeah, they like to see it. They like to see players snapping into other players and chasing down everything. And, you know, the press works. Yeah. Um, 
there is one little thing that I'm a little bit worried about with the with the press, which I was um I was uh, I was listening to Michael Cox on another podcast. Remember we have Michael Cox before talking about his um his book and he's he's gonna be coming to the podcast again this at some point this season. Um but he was saying about there's a new rule that I think from goal kicks um the goalkeeper is actually going to be able to play it to someone inside the box. And he his theory is that might make the pressing a little bit more difficult because you won't have like the obvious set ways that the teams are going to be set up. Um, and so therefore you can't arrange your attackers as effectively in a press. But I, I think it kind of remains to be seen. And ultimately... What's the, the, play, the goalkeepers couldn't pass the ball to a player inside their box from a... From a goal kick. And a goal kick. Yeah. Interesting. I never knew that. I mean, I know, I guess I've never seen a goalkeeper do it, but I guess you just kind of thought, why would they ever do that? Yeah. And I think also one of the things I watched the Charity Shield and watched Rodri, the, the sort of Spanish international player from Man City, and, and you realise that with the, even with a really good press, um, if you've got players like that that are so skillful at kind of just fighting half a yard, you can almost like wipe out the press instantly. Yeah. Um, and that's where we need to be mindful of is that, you know, as players, the Premier League is just getting more and more skillful. And as it does, you know, players are going to find more and more sneaky ways of getting around it. So, yeah, but Ralph will mix it up. He knows best. Yeah. And then when it comes to who's going to get the most goals from our new signings, uh, we've got Gineppo, Adams. I don't think we'll include Danny Ings in this, although we could include Danny Ings in this because he's technically a new signing. Yeah, well, uh, why not? Let's m- it makes the question a bit more interesting. Who's going to get the most goals, Gineppe, Adams or Danny Ings? Um, I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be Adams, and I think one of the reasons why Adams works is because, in in some ways, Ings was most effective last year when he kind of dropped back a little bit and played the defence in the in the midfield, the opposition defensive midfield, sort of pulling the strings. Um, yeah, and he, he was really good at that for Redmond. So I think I think Adams will thrive off that. So for me, it's Adams with lots of support from from Danny. What about you? I think Che Adams as well. Um, that's a that's a bit boring though if we have the same answer, but you know, that's where we are. <laughs> yeah, and I think he 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 just seems to have that kind of playing off the shoulder. One of the things I like about Che Adams is he he seems to like it. And again, this is only from watching his goals. And he seems to shoot early, um, which I really like. Steve Ball, the old Wolf player, he always used to say, like, shoot early, goalkeepers aren't expecting it. So, you know, he's got that in his locker. So, yeah, you know, he's a really exciting signing. He's probably our most exciting signing for some time, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean about him shooting early, because if you do watch the kind of YouTube reels of his goals, quite a lot of them look quite scrappy, but the he's shooting in a position where you don't actually expect him to be shooting from. He's very good at twisting his body around and getting the shot away when I think perhaps the keeper isn't set, isn't ready for that shot. Um, and his goal against the Austrian team was exactly that, wasn't it? It was, he took that sh- he took the ball early before the goalkeeper could set himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, <coughs> next up, Tom, will Saints do better than just survival? Yeah, I really, I think, I think we're set now. I think, you know, if we can get our defence remotely mustered, uh, I think you'll see Saints in a sort of casual like eleventh place. Okay. And I think a lot of Saints fans would take that. 
you know, if we can get an 11 from Keith Ralph for one more season after this one, then then I think that would be a success. I mean, what were you saying, John? Well, I mean, I agree with you, but do you want to know something interesting, Tom? You predicted 11th position last season as well with Mark Hughes as our manager. Oh, dear. But, I mean, this, this, I mean, I th- this is the thing that I find quite amazing about this. We were obviously feeling really confident at the start of last season that we were going to be doing much, much better under Mark Hughes than we had under Pellegrino. And we were all so horribly wrong. But it's interesting that now we have a manager that we know is the real deal and that we should be feeling a little bit more cocky that that we're still kind of predicting this middle, middle of the table. I mean, I predicted 10th last season, so I was totally wrong as well. Yeah, well, I think it's also, I don't know, I think we got a bit of a rude awakening, didn't we? Because um, the, the Premier League had moved on so much, and I think we underestimated how much the Premier League has moved on. And I don't think it's moved on just for your Mark Hughes's. I think it has moved on for like, Charlie Austin's. Um, you know, it's just not the same game as it was three or four years ago. The standard is so good now. If you look at the players, but, you know, the what for the signing. Um, yeah, the, the teams that we're normally in and around, you know, even like Leicester, finding real quality, and every year it's going to be harder and harder and harder to keep up that pace. Um, and I think maybe you know, at the start of last season we underestimated that. Yeah, so we it's almost just a case of us being a little bit older and wiser, a little bit more long in the tooth, and understanding that a bit better. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, but there's some transfer news, John. We find Kevin Dancer. Have we done it? Yeah. Look at this. I'm refreshing the Southampton Football Club Twitter account. There, there's nothing on that, though. No, I know there's not. There's nothing on Twitter, but we do appear to find him. It. It's weird. There's a photo of him. There's a photo of him. You sure it's not? Any, yeah. Uh, sure it's not some sort of Photoshop, Tom? I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. I, uh, yeah, it appears we are fine. I'm not going to believe it till I've seen it on the official Twitter arriving in a train. Um, and uh, which is the player that we should be looking out for this season? So who's going to be the one that is going to take us by surprise? Ooh, um, it's got one, isn't it? Because we've kind of got a bit of a successful team now. Um, I would say it's not it's it's not obvious, but I would say Redmond because like if you look like Arsenal signed Alex Awobi for sorry, Everton signed Alex for like forty five million pounds. Yeah, I mean that's insane, um, isn't it? And it is nuts. I mean like Alex Awobi, like he's one of those players, but like really like Alex Awobi. And so for me, like I think that, you know, he's just signed a new four year contract. Um as Nathan as me today, and I think that he, um, you know, if you look here, sorry, just looking at Alex Wobey's stats, they played 149 games for Arsenal, 15 goals. This goes one goal every 10 games. Now, I just think that, you know, with, with Redmond, has everything that's in his locker, absolutely everything, and with confidence and a manager who really believes in it, there's no stopping Nathan Redmond. So for me, you know, I, I just think Nathan, you could see Nathan Rimmer get 15 goals this year. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, 
Bremen's a little bit obvious, though, Tom, I think. Yeah, but I don't want to be like some poser and sort of say, oh, Jake Vokin, because to be honest, apart from what I've read about him, I don't know anything. And also, like, <laughs> I just can't see him getting the team ahead of ahead of Bertrand. You know, Bertrand has to be a first-choice left-back. Yeah. I mean, if, if I, you know, I, I guess you could say, like, well, small bone, but again, Nick, can you really see him getting in that team initially? Um. Yeah, I mean, what's last, your choice? Last season, you went for Stuart Armstrong. Yeah, and I went for. I don't have a lot of faith in Stuart Armstrong. Yeah, I went for Jan Bednarek. Um, I think Jan Bednarek's also established now, so I don't think I could choose him. I mean, it's it's almost this should be kind of like the the Che Adams one, really, isn't it? Um, mm. I'll tell you who I think it might be though. The player that might just surprise us this season could be Sofiane Buffel. Yeah, oh, yeah, but this is classic, isn't it? This is the girl that flirts with you and you know breaks your heart. But you always <laughs> want to go back to it. It's like you know, you and you, me, and all the other Saints fans want Sophie and Buffel to come good. I mean, and to be fair, that bit of skill he did against was it Final, where he put the defender on his ass and then put the goalkeeper on his ass just with like a drop of the shoulder, yeah. and then slammed it top corner was just like. So, yeah, it was like a sort of a flirty wink to what could be. <laughs> um, but obviously, you know, Ralph, Ralph, you know, Ralph is is not, you know, unforgiving. He's willing to rehabilitate. And, you know, Buffal is back in and around that first team squad in a way that Carrillo definitely isn't. Lamina definitely isn't. Charlie Austin definitely wasn't. You know, so there's obviously, obviously, you know, the, the door is open. Yeah. So, I mean... He's got, the, he's got the talent. Right, I mean, he's got bags of talent. Uh, I just love to see him apply it. And also, I mean, the the thing that... If he'd said to me, kind of, you know, Rouse arrived, what does that mean for Buffal? In my mind, I go, well, he's obviously gone because he's not willing to work hard enough for the team. But the fact that Ralph is reintegrating him maybe means that he, th- he thinks he can kind of actually press and do all the business as well. So um, there was there was a few times though you know when um, Buffal did press and it did look really good and I guess it's just him doing it consistently isn't it that's all Ralph is asking for do it consistently really the anyway yeah I, I I think if he can do that consistent consistently then he can add he can certainly add a bit of spice to the games can't he um, so Tom next one is who is going to be player of the season. Um, I would say uh, uh, Hoiberg. Mm. I just think people love him. Yeah. Do you want to know who you said last season? Something terrible like Hoy or something awful. Uh, Yannick Vestergaard. Mate, I mean, I said Gabbiadini, so... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Gabbiadini. Yeah. James reckons Redmond will have a great season and then get a big money transfer to one of the big teams. Uh, Redmond will, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, well, he's just signed this new deal, isn't he? It wouldn't surprise me, though. You yeah. could imagine him going to Man United. I mean, that, that that could be the thing, couldn't it? You know, they've had the four year contract signing today, wasn't it? For Nathan Redmond. And I wonder yeah, if. Great news. If, if perhaps they got a little bit of a hint that some of the bigger teams were looking around at him and they think, right, sign him up for four years and then if they're coming in for him next summer, 
then it's big bucks signing because we've got him for a long time. I mean, it is. I mean, I, I don't want to keep banging on about another team's player, but if you think about it, like Everton's at forty million pounds on Alistair Wobel. Um, it would have been very interesting if they'd have come to Saints and said, "What do you say about us?" Um, because you know, in terms of having actual impact on games, uh, I would argue Brentford is streets ahead of Wobel. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, my pair of the season. I mean, it, it's always hard with this thing because you're. I think you're always tempted to just choose the player who played very well last season. Uh, I wonder if it might be. If it might be one of our centre backs, actually. Maybe, maybe this Bednarek. is Bednarek's season. Uh, we haven't had a centre back player of the season probably since Virgil Van Dijk. He is. He was so good last season. Yeah, he just throws himself on the ball. I, I yeah, I'm a big fan of Pedro. Um, <clears throat> youth player to establish themselves in the first team. Uh, I say Slattery. Slattery. Because I, I just think there's a space there, isn't there? With Lamina out, um, there is a kind of there is a there is a, a hole. You know, where it's another centre midfielder we're, we're lacking. Reed's gone. We're actually pretty low on numbers for, for midfield. And if you think about it, what you've got, you've got Hoiberg, Romay, Ward, Prowse, Lattery. Who am I missing? What, from, from midfield? Go through that? Yeah. Uh, Hoiberg, Romay, Ward, Prowse, Lattery. Gineppo? Never, but he's going to play. You know, if he's going to play, he's going to play as one of the wingers, isn't he? He's going to so play as one of the three up front. See, okay. But what if, if we're playing four two two two, then you've only got two. Yeah. Up front, and then your then you have your the two your wingers. two wingers. Yeah. And then I presumably you're putting Buffal into that category. Elianusi. Yeah. I don't, I don't know with this one. I I wonder if it might be Jake Vokins, just from the fact that I don't think Ryan Bertrand will get through 38 games of the season unscathed. I think there could be kind of, you know, 10 or so games that he might miss through injury or suspension. And, and that could potentially get Vokins the um, opportunity he needs. Yeah, I mean, uh, you can definitely see Bertrand getting, because I mean, also the nature of Bertrand's game where he's up and down that wing constantly. Um you can definitely imagine um, Jake Bokins getting game time. And also it's interesting that uh, the Ralph obviously, you know, Target did a good job for Ralph, I think, when he was called upon. Um, but obviously, having watched him both up close, he rates Bokins higher. Mm. So it would be interesting. I, I think um, Bokins is a good shout. Yeah, James went for Josh Sims. So, um, I mean, that's going to be impressive if he comes back from Red Bull, New York, having had a really great time and then really establishes himself in the first team in the second half of the season. Could happen. So end of season position we've already discussed. You're going for, what did you say, 11th, Tom? Going for 11th, yeah. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with my prediction from last season as well, then I'm going to go for 10th, which uh, incidentally James has also gone for 10th. Saints' top goal scorer this season. Jay Adams. Jay Adams. James has gone for, Jay, for Danny Ings. I'm going to go Jay Adams as well. I think he's got it. Yeah, I do. He just—he—he he seems to be a bit like, um, uh, a bit like 
James Wilson, is it, is it Danny, sorry, Danny Wilson? Uh, um, you know, just that kind of, you can just see him sort of getting sort of 10, 12 goals this season, 15 the next, and then sort of really pushing on. Yeah. I like him a lot. Yeah, I, I can see that. Okay, a bit more general now. Premier League top goal scorer. Mm, I think it's always hard to look beyond Aguero, isn't it? Because he's just such an animal. Yeah, he's so he's good, just, isn't he? You know, he's just so good. Um, James Bailey's gone for Sadio Mane. Interesting. And, I mean, this we're in the build-up to a Euro 2020, aren't we? So I, I mm. wonder if we might see like a big effort from some of the kind of England stars. I, m- I might go Harry Kane. Yeah, if he can stay fit. Yeah. Harry Kane is, is always going to be there. And also, Spurs seem to have really beefed up the team around Harry Kane this summer. Yeah. Um, so maybe they weren't so reliant on him, but yeah, um, Kane's not a bad shout actually. And okay, your top four, Tom. Okay, my top four, man. Okay. I think it's going to be very similar to last. Go on. I'll tell you what. Let's do top six because I think the top six might have some uh, imposters in this year. So I would say, I mean, it's quite similar. Man City. Yeah. Liverpool, yeah. Tottenham. I think, um, oh gosh, uh, I think Liverpool, Tottenham. I can't see Man United being up there. I can't, I'm not sure about Chelsea. I mean, maybe, I don't know, I mean, maybe if go for a rogue sort of fourth place from, uh, from someone like Leicester, even. I don't know, this is very hard. And then I think probably, I think probably Chelsea, Arsenal, and then Spurs. Uh, sorry, Chelsea, Arsenal, and then Man United. I mean, I don't think Man United are going to finish top six. But it's just something about Leicester under uh, Rodgers and, and the sort of brilliant, you know, Tielmans and all the very good players, and Madison and all the very good players they've got. And they seem just to recruit incredibly well. So maybe I'll chuck them in there for, for a fourth place. I'm really annoyed that you've done that, Tom, because that's basically exactly what I was going to have. <laughs> it make me sound like really bloody unoriginal. Um, but yeah, that's that was my wildcard entry to the top four. I think Leicester City are going to get uh, Champions League qualification. Um, I am kicking Manchester United out of the top six. And I'm also going to kick Chelsea out of the top six as well. And instead of Chelsea, it's going to be Wolverhampton Wanderers. I was worried you were going to say West Ham there. No. That so you didn't. So it's going to be Man City, Liverpool, Tottenham. I think those three have got the top three kind of locked down. Then it's going to be Leicester City. Then it's going to be Arsenal. Then it's going to be Wolves. Yeah. I mean, Wolves are definitely, definitely strong. I don't know. I mean, I think Man United's the story, isn't it? I mean, I don't know. Do we have first managers to get sacked, by the way? Um, that category. We don't, but we do now. I think, gonna yeah. I think it's going to be Ole. I think it's going to go. Still, sorry to go. He's starting to depth. 
Yeah. And, you know, they've just sold his sort of number one striker. And they've not signed anyone else. No. So weird. It is a bit odd, isn't it? Um, I mean, yeah. I, I quite fancy Ole as well, but I'm going to go for Steve Bruce. I mean, Interesting, that's, yeah. That's, that's got to be a car crash waiting to happen, hasn't it? I love the way they signed out the cows there as well. Yeah. It's so funny. I was listening, I was in Talk Sports and they were saying, Andy Cow's taking a pay cut to join Newcastle. And isn't this, yeah, he's taking a pay cut to show how much he wants to join. I never, I don't sign up. I've wanted to pass, but he hasn't taken a pay cut. He's, right now, he's getting paid nothing because he doesn't have a contract anywhere. You know, he's been released by West Ham. So he, he's not taking a pay cut. He's not getting paid anything at all. And he's just gone for a job which was paying less than his last job. Yeah. Um, but it's like, it's funny thing with Newcastle, isn't it? It's like nostalgia. You know, Steve Bruce, he's a Geordie. You know, Andy Carroll. He's Andy Carroll. He's, he, he, he's, he's a Geordie. You know, he knows what it means. But like, they were saying, you know, oh, you know, if you can keep Andy Carroll fit, you can't keep Andy Carroll fit. You know, like Andy Carroll's a 32-year-old professional footballer, 31-year-old professional footballer, with a, with a handful of games to his name. Yeah. You know, like, he's broken. Sadly to say, he's you know he'll probably score in the world score in states now. But like, you know, there's nothing in his career that suggests that you're going to be able to keep Andy Carroll fit. No. So why pretend that you are? It's just football's just so weird like that. It is, but I mean, football is a whole way of us having nostalgia, isn't it? I mean, let's face it: the last time Newcastle were really good was back in the nineties. So you know, that's where the Steve Bruce things come from and uh you know i suppose andy carrot that's probably the last time you know they look quite good in coming up to the premier league wasn't it yeah and it's also that just like i think they love just a, a great center forward and they like um uh like like Shearer. Yeah. yeah they're always trying to replace Shearer, aren't they i i, I think the best thing about andy carroll though is the fact that when Liverpool sold Fernando Torres, who was at the time looked like the best striker in the world, they replaced him with Andy Carroll. I mean, it's just incredibly bonkers, isn't it? Um, anyway, wasn't Andy Carroll one of the most expensive players in the world at that point as well? Yeah, he was. I think it was like 30 odd million quid, wasn't it? Uh, back mm. in those days. Um, so we've done our top six. Time for your bottom three. Who's going to get relegated? Uh, I strongly fancy uh, Newcastle to go down. Um, I really do. I just think, I just think it's mad what they've done in terms of you know replacing Rasmus with Steve Bruce, uh, losing Solomon Rondon, replacing with you know a Brazilian playing for a pretty poor German team that you know hasn't set the Bundesliga on fire. I do fancy them to go down. Um, I would say, and I don't want Sheffield United to go down. So I'm going to say Newcastle bottom. Brighton, second bottom, and then not Norwich, not Sheffield United. I think I think Villa, third bottom. Okay, I think that's quite interesting there. Um, Newcastle definitely going down. Um, Norwich, you know the, the other one. The other one is Palace. Palace. Palace could be, you know, like if, if, if Zaha gets injured or goes to the drop, then they're really, you know, they've got a very small squad. But I'm going to stick with my initial three. Okay. 
Um, I am going to go for Newcastle. Um, I'm going to go for Norwich City. I mean, I, I think they're going to play some quite attractive football, but you know, Norwich City is just one of those teams which are too nice. I think Southampton are one of those teams which are too nice, but you never fear going to Carrow Road, do you? You always expect that you can pick up a result. And I think that's the avenue, John. Yeah. I, th- I think that's going to affect them. And then um, I know you want Sheffield United to stay up, but I don't think they will. So that's going to be my three, Newcastle, Norwich and Sheffield United. Well, I think that one of I, my, my worry Sheffield United is they seem to be doing a Fulham, which is kind of trying to overhaul the team that got them up. Um, my thing with Norwich is they've not done that. So I think, you know, team spirit could keep Norwich up. Yeah. Um, whereas Sheffield United, and also some of the players Sheffield United have signed are just terrible players, aren't they? I mean, like they it's like that um, Mousset from Bournemouth who, who just you know nowhere near up to the league standards um, but also just on that note Bournemouth signing some great players signing players that maybe you think Saints would be in for I don't know but, yeah. yeah I mean tangent there. It, it is always a little bit dangerous to get jealous of other people's transfer windows I mean how many times have you looked at West Ham and gone wow you know they spent all this money on that player I wish Saints would do that, and then that player's turned out to be a flop. And you know, Fulham being the exact case in point from last season as well. Um, anyway, James has gone for Sheffield United, Norwich, and Brighton down. Um, the next question is: Do we have hope? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's yeses across the board. And who is going to be our cult hero of the season? Oh, that's a good one. Um, Share them again. Yeah, cult hero. Um, Just looks like he's got something that people are going to love on there. Because you know he's going to, at Burnley, he's going to snap that first pack of the same time. They're going to just be like hearts in their eyes, like sort of manga characters. (laughs) Um, I think Angus Gunn's going to be our cult hero of the season. I think he might be slightly nuts. I think he's going to do something quite wild. <laughs> yeah, goalkeeper. Or go, go, best goalkeepers are always nuts, aren't they? Yeah. But you know, I, I think you know he's good, and of course, you know he's a goalkeeper, and I think he's going to be nuts. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe he's going to like save a penalty from someone that we loathe, like Van Dyke or something like that. He's going to do something <laughs> which is going to get him that cult hero status. Just remember that moment last year where Van Dyke almost got the own goal. Yeah, man, that would have just oh, been was... so beautiful, wouldn't it? Would that have been 2 0 Saints? I think it would have been, wouldn't it? Oh. Yeah. Anyway. Um, other random predictions for bonus points, Tom. Last time you said Mitrovic is not a Premier League sti- striker and Mourinho that will be fired. I stand by those two. Yeah. Well, I, I, think, uh, I think you're quite good at bonus points. I think. I'll give you a little bit of time to think about them. I'm going to read you James's bonus points. James says, we need to start beating the bottom half teams consistently this season. And if we do that, we can push on for European places. Um, And he also says that Chelsea Man U will have poor seasons under inexperienced managers, which I agree with him. Yeah. I think they're both going to be in the top six. 
Yeah, I mean, my I guess if I was to make a prediction, I, uh, we've mentioned um, uh, we, we've mentioned um, Steve Bruce already mentioned against Oscar. I do think Lampard could struggle. I think the way of expectation, you know, a Chelsea team without um, without Hazard, uh, you know, without uh, even like David Luiz at the back, you know, without Gary Cahill, shipped out a lot of players. Um, so I guess if I was to make a couple of predictions, I would say. Saints to reach FA Cup semi-final. Lampard to beat to not last the season. Oh, oh, for a Chelsea hero. So you're they, a, they don't care, do they? They got no, yeah. you know, the game has no heart with it. No. And you know, like if Chelsea, if Chelsea are like twelve after eight games, yeah, they, they'll they'll ditch him. Do you reckon they won't give him time? Well, they make, yeah, but maybe not, maybe not after twelve games. But yeah, you know, after sixteen, after eighteen, they won't give them time. They never give anyone time. Mm, big shout! I, see, I think that they're going to stick by Frank Lampard too long, and that's what's going to cost them their top six. Um, but I, I, I did, this is the interesting thing, right? Picking up on your point earlier on in this show when you were saying about how the Premier League has moved on and how you know last season we hadn't really clocked that. We thought we were going to do well under Mark Hughes and that was never going to work because the Premier League has moved on from the Mark Hughes sort of era. I wonder if you can get away with managing your club as badly as Man United is being managed at the moment where the transfers are totally random and the manager is totally inexperienced. I mean, Chelsea, they kind of have their hands tied a bit because Frank Lampard is probably the... you know one of only a small amount of managers who would perhaps be attracted to go to a club that's currently serving under a transfer ban. Mm. Um, I just I just think it's strange, you know, they've got rid of like, you know, they've got rid of some, some good players, Chelsea. The players obviously wanted to leave and, you know, they've got um, the, the American winger coming in. I don't know, I just, I think you're right. I think they, maybe they were, you know, if they do keep with Lampard, I think they're going to struggle. If you think about it, the young the players that are at Chelsea now, they don't care who Frank Lampard is. You know, this thing like Man United keep doing this, and they were talking about Oli Gunnar Solskjaer talking about the, the days of you know, Giggs and Beckham and, uh, you know, Nicky Bart. Like, these players don't care. You know, if you're like a 20-year-old Argentinian, you don't care who Nicky Bart was or Paul Gold were. You know, they're from a different generation. I think that there is a kind of misplaced thing that, the clubs believe that, oh, you know, because it's, because it's Frank Lampard. It's like, yeah, but the, the people making the calls to appoint people like Frank Lampard are older than we are. So they're, they're even more sentimental. You know, and I think they mistake that sentimentality that they have that it'll somehow impact on the players. And I don't know if that's necessarily right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, it is crazy, though. If you're talking about a player who's 20 years old, they won't even... They, they, won't, they might not even been alive when Manchester United won the European Cup with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer scoring. And that's the yeah. thing, I think they of course they don't they just think, you know, great, like they're they're different, aren't they? They're not you know, I don't know if they necessarily respond to that. I don't know, John. Who knows? You can get in the eyes of in the mind of a twenty one year old multi millionaire who drives a Lamborghini, who knows? <laughs> Okay, uh, well, anyway, I think we're done with our um, season predictions. Um, 
in terms of listener correspondence, we've had a little bit. Um, there is one here, Tom, which I'm going to see if you, you fancy trying your trying your singing again. So this is a uh, Philip who has emailed in, and he's got a little number to celebrate Ralph Hasenhutel. Okay, so it's the tune of "Hi Ho Silver Lining," Tom. I mean, it's going to be hard for you to do this because you can't read the words that I'm looking at, but I'm going to read them <laughs> out to you. Then, then you can have a little go and see if you, you, if you can sing them back. So, and it's hi ho, Hassan Hüttel, everywhere you go, baby. Southampton FC is shining. He's going to light us up. Now he's one of us. What do you reckon, Tom? That could work. I mean, I, I don't know if I want to. I mean, maybe on the next show, if you want, I could do my awful thing if you send it to me. Okay. But All right. I think, you know, the sort of faint sound of a certain age could get behind Ohio Silver Lining. Yeah. You know what my problem is with Hi-Ho Silver Lining is when, um, uh, I don't know, do you remember when we drew three all with um, Sheffield Wednesday at Hillsborough? And I can't remember who their goalkeeper was, but their goalkeeper scored a last minute equaliser um, right at the end of the game. Do you remember that one? I mean, it's years and years ago. It was when my brother was still at university. I've just spotted a mouse in my kitchen, Tom. Oh, no. So we get blooming sunshine, Tom. Yeah. It's actually pretty big. I think it might be pregnant. Oh. It's big. I mean, either it's a mouse or it's a baby rat. Oh, don't say that. I didn't work. Yeah. Oh, dear. It's got a very shiny, glossy coat. That's my shiny coffee. Um, and the other thing as well is Graham Frampton has uh, just uh, he's emailed in earlier this week he thinks top scorer is going to be uh, Che Adams and Danny Ings they're going to share the top goal scorer with 13 goals each and Rebben is going to be third on 10 he thinks that Buffal is going to work with the rabbit hutch um, and you know he thinks when Buffal first arrived, he thought he was going to be the second coming of Lagod, and therefore, you know, maybe under under Hassan Hutel, he's going to be he's going to be great. Don't see why not. Yeah, I mean Ralph Mosty. I mean he's got the talent, mate. Just about running around a bit more, mate. Yeah, uh, Jason Dickey. He says Che Adams is on the right track. We are going to win the league, and Che Adams is going to get thirty goals this season. Who is, sorry? Che Adams. I mean, 30 goals out like, Yeah. I mean, that, that would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Very strange. I mean, it'd be nuts if that. It's amazing. But, you know, if he gets 30 goals to Spain, he'll be, well, he'll be uh, really Chelsea next year, wouldn't he? Uh, yeah, probably. Uh, David Garrett reckons Obafemi's going to displace Ings during the, during the season. Matt reckons we're going to finish 12th. Ings is going to be top goal scorer, Hoiberg player of the season. David Garrett not feeling so confident. 42 points, 15th position. Che Adams or possibly the keeper to be the player of the season. He reckons a really dull season. I don't think it will be. No. Over family, that's something we totally forgot to talk about. Yeah, I, uh, David Garrett, I, I, I just think you're wrong there. Um, <laughs> James Hall. Reckons we're going to finish 10th. Danny Ings, top goal scorer. 
Nathan Redmond player of the season, Ralph moving to Spurs at the end of the season. Oh, James Ketchell, 10th to 12th, Adams and Adams, goal scorer and uh, player we of the like season. We like the Ketchels. Yeah. Um, might finish a bit higher if we sort the defence out through a signing loan or Hassan Hoot or Magic, but not feeling all that optimistic. Jacob Tanswell, 15th due to our inept defence and having the worst centre-back in the league. Simon Kemp, friend of the podcast, came on the podcast early last season. He reckons 12th, would say 8th to 10th with a stronger defence. Top scorer, Chad, Adams, player of the season, Jan Valerie. Best result being beating Liverpool at Anfield. Um, Sai, centre-back situation as is, and bad luck with injuries, then 11th to 14th. Decent centre-back in before deadline, and good luck with injuries, 8th to 10th. Top scorer, Chad Ch- Adams, player of the season, Pierre-Emil Hoiberg. Mm. Greg B, 13th Adams, Bednarek, player of the season. Tough start, followed by an encouraging recovery. Simon Hill, 8th, just. Adams, by far the top goal scorer, ridiculously a slow start of the season. Followed by wins at Etihad and Emirates, tonked by Chelsea and Boxing Day and lick up, uh, kick up in a decent form in the second half. Strong finish. Um, is this government about to go Esquire? Uh, it says 12th, Ings and Ings. Good results, but too many goals considered to challenge for the top eight. James White, also been on the podcast before. Defends if we sign that elusive sense back. Uh, if we do, then we can challenge for the top eight. Otherwise, 12th to 14th because we'll concede too many. James Penton, 14th, top scorer, Adams, player of the season, Redmond, season narrative, slightly better than expected, pick up steam around Christmas, won't shift the dead weight in Jan, defensive frailties will prevent top to fi- 10 finish and Buffon or other banished players to make a comeback. Ben, 12th, Nathan Redmond, player of the season, Saints FC fan, Parkhouse Josh, 10th, Adams, player of the season, Adams. There's, there's a lot of similarities there, isn't there? I mean, Ralph's re- revolution, uh, long-time listeners of the podcast thinks we'll finish 11th top scorer Ings player of the season Jan Valerie. Uh, but are they close between Lord Pierre and James Ward-Prowse as well cup semi as well he reckons nice um, someone who's called themselves Southampton underscore FC reckons 7th to 10th being close on very points and will finish 10th top scorer being Ings and James was another supporter of the podcast reckons we're going to finish Seventh with Danny Ings and Sheridan's getting 15 goals each. And Edward Marsh has shared a betting slip with me for Southampton to finish in the top four of the Premier League. He hasn't shown me how much he's spent on that, though. That's well, 90 to 1. Yeah, that's 90 to 1. Yeah, I've seen that. Jesus. Yeah. And Robbie reckons top 12 finish. Adams will be top scorer. Player of the season to be Adams. And person feels this season will be the true measure of Ralph. Tom Wings and Ting, 10th to 14th. Danny Ings, top goal scorer. Redmond as player of the season. I mean, everyone's kind of on the same vibe, aren't they, Tom? Everyone's sort of playing a sort of, most people are playing a sort of safe mid-table range. Yeah, safe mid-table. With Shea Adams sort of scoring lots of goals. Yeah, and then player of the season from Redmond, Shea Adams, Danny Ings, Jan Bednarek, Jan Valerie. No. Mind you, Not suppose, unrealistic thing to say. If you list out half the starting eleven, then you've got a fairly good chance <laughs> of getting the top goal scorer. True, that is true. Right, yeah, anyway, anyone who plays in the forward position. Yeah, Tom, I think we've witted on long enough now. Even though uh, it is the start of the season, uh, we're going to be 
outlasting most people's commutes tomorrow on their way to work. Um, so I suppose it's, you know, hi-ho, Hassan Hurtle, everywhere you go, baby. Um, yeah, I can't wait for Saturday. Yeah, Saturday, start of the Premier League season again. This, Very good. This is just amazing. Now, Tom, I'm going to use the magic of our little machine here and I'm going to suddenly slowly pipe over the sound of the Saints fans, you know, when the Saints marching in, as we say, bye-bye, say, let's give it a go. Cheerio, everyone. It's been great to be back.